Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit. And they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Growing up, the TV was on in our kitchen pretty much all the time. I'm not the only person who's ever taken Candy Crush into the bathroom. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. The slope is very slippery. So we need to give ourselves and probably even more importantly, our kids, the ability to concentrate on one thing deeply. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. And I feel like that is probably the solution to screen time in general. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of What Fresh Hell. I'm Margaret Abels. And I'm Amy Wilson. And today we're talking about screen time. How much is just the edge of not horrible and how do we help our kids do anything else ever? Right. At least that's what I want to talk about today. That's right. I mean, what we don't want to arrive at is the conclusion that screen time is bad for kids because we all rely on it so fundamentally to run our actual lives. I think we should start from the place that um, some screens are going to be part of their lives, but also start from the place that we do agree that there should be some limits. Do you agree? Am I, am I assuming? Uh... I agree. And I was researching this topic and I came across a quote from a guy from the American Academy of Pediatrics um, talking about the American Academy of Pediatrics initially, their recommendations were was no screen time for kids under the age of two. And they're just in the process now of amending that and they're going to come out with some new guidelines. But basically he was talking about these two categories, talking about the idea of harm reduction versus a total prohibition. So when they talk to parents about issues that affect their kids, one example is diet and nutrition, and that that is an issue about finding balance, whereas another issue is tobacco use, and that is a total prohibition. And so when it comes to tobacco, They want it out of your house, out of your kids' lives entirely. But when they talk about nutrition, they're like, look, realistically, kids are going to have some sweets. They're going to have some fatty foods. They're going to have some fried foods. How do we find the balance? Right. I I get mad when they they do, like, say, pregnant women can't drink at all. And it's because, like, yes, is one glass of wine okay? Yes. Is two bottles of wine okay? No. And so we can't exactly draw the line, and so we're just going to prohibit it. And I think they did the same thing for screen time. If you really looked at those regulations, why they were prohibiting it, it was because kids under two should be doing something else, which yes, they should. But people were taking this to such an extreme level that they weren't like letting their kids Skype with grandma because the doctor said they can't have any screens till they're two as if, 
as if the like light from a phone was going to change their brain's workings in 10 seconds, which is, of course, ridiculous. Right. So they're revisiting it now, I think, with this new mindset of screens are here to stay, that media and social media and screens in every form, iPads, phones and televisions are here to stay. So how do we kind of bring allow those to be part of our children's lives without letting them become what statistically we're seeing now is kids spending seven and a half hours a day in front of a screen. That's insane. That's I was hearing something about of time. there's a there's a pass there's an amount of time the kids spend passively in front of screens that's more than we did. I mean growing up the TV was on in our kitchen pretty much all the time. And it was probably like a Planet of the Apes movie after school or the evening news. Right. It was Muppet kind show. of on. But Little this house. Is, right. And now, now these kids are, even when they're not only using Instagram, they're doing homework on a laptop with their phone sitting next to them or what, you know, it, it, they, there's, there's always this sort of, oh, I don't know. It reminds me of the ticker at the bottom of the CNN screen. There's always something else to look at. We can't only give you one thing to look at now. We have to give you four or else you might change the channel. And I feel like kids' attention spans. Do you see your kids? I, I, one of the most important things I feel like I have to give my kids in this day and age is the ability to sit in the backseat of a car or in a restaurant waiting for your food to come or in church or and, and sit there and not have your every moment... Uh, of boredom sort of um, anesthetized by pop math bingo or whatever it is you right. have on your and phone. And that's, I think, the exact problem of screen time. That the And I feel it for myself, and I think most parents and adults feel it for themselves. I mean, I'm not the only person who's ever taken Candy Crush into the bathroom. I mean, it's like, w- my friend calls it her baby rattle. Like, it, it is this <laughs> self-soothing entity. I remember I cracked the phone on my, I cracked, cracked the screen on my iPhone, and I had to take it uh, in to get repaired. And I, I was in Manhattan, and I had to take it to the 37th floor of this like, you know, crazy closet screen repair place. And I dropped it off and then I was going back to work and I had to ride down 37 floors in the S- in the elevator and then go walk across the street and then ride 33 floors up to get back to my desk. And in the elevator, I was like shaky. Like I have nothing to do. What am I supposed to do in the elevator? Think? You know, there wasn't even one of those little screens in the elevator with fun facts on it. I was just like <laughs> staring at the walls like this is insanity. Well, and I didn't grow up with those screens. I wasn't I wasn't made that way. It's just you get so used to having that pacifying thing of like I have a phone in my hand. Right. And to exist without it is it, it, it's mind boggling right now. There, our kids are digital natives. We, we did ever have the experience of. Of not uh, of not having that in our hands, but they, I my my two sons are at sleepaway camp, and I have become I've come around the idea of sleepaway camp. Let's put it that way. I didn't really get it, but but sort of the main reason I'm sending them now is because there's no uh, screens for three so you weeks. send them to sleepaway camp and they don't take a phone with them at all. Well, they did take a phone with them in the car on the way up because the first year I made the mistake of not even sending my kid with the phone, and he gets into a van with six other boys, all of whom pull out their phones and he had a right. five six hour ride to this camp in the you know northern new england with everybody else on their phones and and i kind of thought that that would be the beginning of the camp experience i sent him with a deck of cards i said you'll do this here's some mad libs and what is it 1922 a deck of cards yes and what everybody kind of ignored him are for you five or six hours 
So this year I sent him with this phone. But but and <laughs> so but people was, weren't interested in his deck of cards. No, they had Pokemon Go with them. No, but I still have eighty four percent power. Yeah, and so so and that. that there's another crux. All right, so so send your kids to sleepaway camp. That's one of my uh, solutions. Uh, it's not not inexpensive, but they don't. That's they they can't have screens, and they do come back different. And I find that when they come home, they are not clamoring for them in the way that you think they might. That's interesting. So they the break actually is it, it is a cure. Right. I'd say two weeks later, they're back to wanting to be doing it every second that I will let them. But for the first couple of days. Yes, they can pet the dog or read a book and and be comfortable in their own skin. And uh, it's have you ever done screen free week? That's another thing that I've done with my kids that I totally recommend. What helps is that I haven't. I think it's in January or February. You you could of course just sort of declare you're doing it whenever you want, but but it's easier when you sort of can show them something on the TV or in the newspaper or on the computer, saying, "See, everybody's doing it, so we're doing it too." Screen free week. It is hard for about 36 hours and then they just immediately start with uh, the board games and the Legos and then same thing when the week's up I sort of found myself saying I can't believe I'm saying this okay guys you can you can play iPad if you want and they sort of oh okay and then they go back to playing Stratego or whatever it's amazing how quickly you can it's a very steep 36 hours but you can break it and I think I think those resets are important and not just for our kids, for ourselves. Because what you were saying about using the phone in the elevator, yes, it is my prop also. And I have become very aware of how I, um, of what I'm modeling for the kids. Well, and that, I mean, right there, you've hit on the biggest thing, which is modeling. I mean, I find my own use of the phone and being addicted to the phone and wanting to have the phone out during dinner, during playtime, during all these different times is a huge part of the problem. And it's something that I'm really working on is saying, is putting the phone somewhere down. So I don't have it in my hand. I don't have it nearby. And certainly dinner time is no questions asked. There's no phones allowed. But even times where we're, I mean, if we're in the car, I tend to be on my phone if my husband's driving. And I just kind of always have it in my hand and that's something that I need to break in order to sort of model for the kids the idea of you you don't have to have the baby rattle in your hand 24 hours a day to be soothed. How many times have you started to do, just yesterday I did this, my husband wanted me to look up something. Seven minutes later, he, he asked me the answer to the question and, and I forgot that that lost. was, I was on Facebook. You like, were oh, lost oh, that, in the Facebook hall. That's why, that's why yeah. I turned the computer on. You're like, I right. don't know the answer, but I do know what my seventh grade boyfriend had for dinner. It, if exactly. That helps. As a mom, I feel like I can't really, if my three kids and my husband are all with me, then I can really put my phone away in, in a bag or something. But you know, all these keys to productivity and getting things done is all about, um, not multitasking, right? Closing, closing down social media, not doing this, not doing that. And I, and I do do those things, but I feel like I have to keep my phone out because what if the school calls, which is a not, it's happened. It has happened in my, in my, uh, 10 years of sending kids to school. So, so it's not the craziest notion, but I can't ever really unplug. And so then that also means if my friend writes to me and says, did you see that house on Marble Hill lanes for sale? I'm also completely distracted, but yeah, you're in. Yeah. Now, do you, have you found your kids are older? So my kids are seven, six, and four. And when they were younger, I feel like the iPads were kind of a great tool, but they were not, 
I think also even in those couple of years, iPads have changed. Like it used to be, hey, watch a video on my phone for a little while while I get something done. And now, but I didn't worry about it that much because the kids were not that interested. Even if we were waiting at a doctor's appointment or something, after 20 minutes with the iPad, they would get bored of it. And I find now at seven, six, and four, I feel like they would watch an iPad for eight hours straight if I let them. They'll just flip between videos and games and and then it's Angry Birds Go and then it's let me watch this little bit of a video and then let's go on YouTube and watch this kid open his Legos. And there are so many options now available that my sort of crutch of, oh, let them play with it and they get bored and they'll find something else to do has totally gone out the window. And now my kids come home at three o'clock in the afternoon and they're right on the screens and if I don't cut them off the screens, they would sit there all night on them. Absolutely. And my, my, my uh, it does, and that doesn't change, I would say. My 11-year-old is sort of probably the most addicted out of my three kids. And I wouldn't say, I use the word addicted loosely. I think he is very much in the main in terms of his peers, how much I see them using the things. It, it's, it's the thing he wants to do the most. He's not interested in the television. And, and it's, he, he's the hardest one for me to peel away. And it's, he doesn't, he's not even switching back and forth. He'll play one game at a time, but it's these games where it's one civilization is battling another civilization, like Battle Rune City or whatever they're called. And and so if I say five more minutes, you need to you need to I always give him a warning, right? A couple more minutes, then that then that's going to be it. It's almost time right, to turn that off. Following the rule Finish book. up what you're doing. I'm just going to do one more level. There's just one more level, one more universe, one more this. These these games are very sophisticated now at making these kids literally think they cannot turn it off and uh, because they're in the middle of something but they're right. always and they're in the designed middle of that way they're it's like vegas is designed to keep you gambling like there's no clocks there's no outside light they design the entire thing so that nothing someone brings you drinks the entire thing is a machine to keep you gambling and the kids games are the same way you're right they're I never, designed I never to keep you in front of the screen that's their job Right. And so and it's our job to fight against that. Yes, and, and trying to but, fight against that. And even, so even if I do give them a warning, it doesn't matter if I tell them 10 minutes, five minutes, when I say, okay, that's it, we're turning it off now. There's still the no, and he looks up at me with like spirals for eyes, like in the old <laughs> cartoons. And he's, I've, I've lost him. And, and I am always uh, sort of obliged to remind him, like, I can't turn it off now. But yes, you can, because it's not really happening. That's not actually a castle. It's just a thing in a game. And... Sometimes he, sometimes he will allow us to put it down so we can walk away and the battle can continue without him guiding it, which is obviously far inferior, but way better than turning it off. Right. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to break. We're going to take our first break and um, share this little comedy piece with you. And we'll be right back. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. 
into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. In a world where moms just want to cook dinner in peace. You can have screens for 15 minutes. An unseen terror takes hold. Can you please stop talking to me? I can't hear the iPad. Children who once made eye contact, begrudgingly told you about their day. It's fine. Or briefly played outside before complaining they were bored, are gone. In their place are beings that can think of only one thing. I'm so close. I'm about to beat the evil space lord. They completely lose interest in food. I can't eat dinner. This kid on YouTube is about to open a new Lego set. They speak a language you'll never understand. I can't stop now, Mom. I have to learn Super Fire Blast, because if I don't, I'll be conquered by the Dreamins, and my level will go down to Villager. They are the children of the screen. Give me a 
phone. Coming soon to a living room near you. I just need to finish this level. Children of the Screen is a sequel to last year's Moms of the Screen. Mom, watch me do a cartwheel. Oh, honey, I can't. I'm on a timed level of Candy Crush. Children of the Screen is not recommended for delusional new parents who believe they'll never let their children watch electronics. Okay, we're back. Do you play these games with your kids? Because sometimes I, I, I've heard that that's a way to sort of, one, connect with your children, but also make sure that what they're doing is something that you want them to be doing. I mean, I look over their shoulders, but I don't really want to play I mean, Clash I totally of Clans. Don't. I don't care. I totally don't. And I mean, we just had the issue with YouTube where my kids kind of discovered YouTube and all these videos of kids opening toys or whatever the different things were. And... Um, immediately YouTube becomes this scary world where you really have no idea what your kid is being exposed to. Right. And, you know, we went through taking it off and then watching it with them. And then there is a YouTube kids app. So we replaced everything with YouTube kids, which is supposed to screen the content. But I I wrote something, a post about it. Like, yeah, when my kid was three, I was like uh, half an hour of educational programming a day. And suddenly I find myself in this world where I'm like, uh, did I just hear a curse on that YouTube video you've been watching for two hours? Like the slope is very slippery. Very slippery. And man, I am at the bottom of the hill right now and trying to climb out. And all, all we've really come up with is limiting what apps are actually available on the device. So we have that control. And then just having times like we we've decided quite quickly that we would have no screens before school because the kids would wake up in the morning and we enjoyed sleeping late so rather than them coming to get us at 6:30 they would wake up and get on the iPads we would sleep till 7:15 and then get up and be in a mad rush to get them to school but the process of extracting them from the screens made school seem so much worse it was like not only do you have to get off your screens but you have to get off your screens and go to school which you know isn't that fun an idea. And that battle, we just finally decided, okay, no screens before school. And that became a lot easier. I want to ask you, a, a, how, how do you handle situation? Because I think this is one of the sticky things. My 13 year old son wanted to get a first person shooter game. I forget what it's called. I mean, you know, battle force, death battlefield. I don't right. know what it was called. Let's kill everyone. Right. And 1. it was, 3. it was uh, the same week as Orlando. And I just, and and this friend has it and that friend has it. And then I just said, you know, uh, you were born in the wrong house because there's just no way, not in my house. And he accepted that. But the sticky situation I find, they accept kids having different rules. What's hard is when you're with another family, either at the holidays or you're on vacation or even you're just out to dinner together and the, there's different rules around the screens. And so the other, the other kids that they're with can have as much screen time as they want and yours can't and you have and it's not like if it was my brother's kids I could just say hey let's put those away now but if it's a situation right you can't really tell somebody else's kids what to do how do you how do you handle that so I haven't totally been in that situation because my kids are still too little um but yeah like if somebody pulled out a phone at dinner I think I would probably just say like all right this dinner is kind of a wash like they're going to all sit and watch the screens together and that's going to be this dinner. But that's not how we roll at our dinner and that's fine. First person shooter games, if someone's pulling that out at dinner, I might say, I mean, we haven't been in that situation because my kids are too young to be, no, we don't, thank God, no, any seven-year-olds playing first person (laughs) shooter games. I do. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they, I'm sure they are out there. Uh, but I would say like, Hey, let's find something we can both agree on. Cause we don't have that game and that's not something we play at our house. Right. And that, I mean, I think you have to decide what, what hill you're going to die on. And some, I think first person shooter games is a hill worth dying on. You know, we don't have a television set in our car. Wow. That's something in our day and age because we, we do, we get, we have, we, we have the Netflix DVDs and we watch the Brady Bunch or some stupid thing. But so they, it definitely helps that we drive a 2001 minivan, mm-hmm. like that it didn't come with that technology shockingly, mm-hmm. but, uh, we have pretty much committed to the idea of not having screens in the car because I just remember those memories. We did so many car trips as kids and those memories are so vivid for me. And listening to bad show tunes with my parents and talking and, you know, p- kids throwing up. It was a nightmare. I mean, I'm not saying it was some idyllic <laughs> wonderland. Like, it was horrible. We Your fought, we touched each other, and my mom would have this, like, claw hand that would come back to separate us. And But I do feel like not having screens in the car is something that's important to me. But we do have this kind of pop-in um like a DVD player that can go in the car. And so if we were to go on like a six hour car trip, we'll put that in the car. Okay. And so we kind of, you know, you find your little balance with it, but for driving around town, often that's the only time of the day that my kids will really talk to me. When I pick them up in the car, I'm not staring them in the face and I pick them up in the car and I can kind of get a little bit out of them. How was camp? What happened? How was school? How did that go? Isabel Why was Gillies- the teacher mean? Did you read the book Happens Every Day? It's not about yes. screen time. A great book. But oh, she, she great talked book. about- Everyone should read yeah, that Yeah, so everybody read that. We'll put that in the show notes too. But she talked about how her mother told her that you should, in your kitchen, have always have a place for your kids to sit or for somebody to sort of sit and perch while you cook. Because when your back is turned to your children, they will tell you things. And yes, I have definitely discovered that in the car. The car is a great car. example of that. And I'm a New Yorker, so I don't- I'm not in the car that much, but sometimes I am. And when I do, That's I'm right. always amazed. Because when you sit down and try to interrogate a kid, they're like, ah, oh, I don't want to talk to you, weirdo. But when if, you, if you're doing something else and they have an opportunity to talk, it just makes all the difference. And so for us, that's no screens in the car. But then my in-laws bought a car and they were so excited because it has a television set in it. And so we're in Texas. It's a super fun treat that the t- there's a TV in the car. And it's fine with me. Like I'm not on principle, like a kid should never watch a screen while they're in the car. It's just kind of a nice balance. Like sometimes you have this, sometimes you don't. And I feel like that is probably the solution to screen time in general. And both of us have kids who are set very high in the anxiety realm. Yes. And those kids, like once I tell my kid no screen time, he it's all he can think about. It's all he wants to do. But if I set up we have a whiteboard and sometimes I will literally write out an hourly schedule, 4.30 to 5.30, whatever screen you want, 5.30, reading time, 6 o'clock dinner, 6.30, free play, 7 o'clock bedtime, movie before bed, 7.30 bedtime. And then it's like he knows that there's a time blocked off for him to have screen time that is completely unlimited and it just calms him down and then we don't have to have the debate every five minutes, is the screen on or off? That's really good. You, and it's, it's black and white stuff, but it can't get too complicated because I told my kids in June that this summer we would do a, they could have an hour a day of screens and they could have two half hour. However they wanted to divide that up was fine, but that was all they could have. But if they spent at least half an hour either practicing an instrument or doing like the math 
support homework they're supposed to be doing this summer or reading a book or things that I deemed worthwhile that they could for every half hour they'd get another 15 minutes and and we didn't even stick to it for a day because it was too it was way right and then, and then they kept saying, but wait a minute, but if we do it, and then I, I didn't, right. it then wasn't you're really negotiating good. No. and you're like, wait, Poker what chips. is this? No, Did no, I no. do this? No. Too I complicated. Think, yeah. And I mean, any, I, I've read that theory many times, like give them a limit and then they can earn it with other things. And I do think the one-to-one on it gets super complicated. Like, wait, what? Like I always just talk about toddlers, like. You, you, you try to get involved in whose turn is it with the train and you're just like, wait, I've totally lost the script of wh- where the justice is. Like, okay, you had it, then you had it, but you touched it. I don't know where I'm at. I think keeping it simple is better. And then it's just like a diet. Like you have a basic structure that we eat mostly healthy foods with some, you know, fried fatty foods and some sugary treats. That's what our diet looks like. And then sometimes we're on vacation or we're traveling and we eat corn dogs every day. And at the end of it, we feel a little sick, but then we come back and we get back to regular life. And I think that's a really good way to think about screens too. Like there are times in February where my kids are doing four hours of screen time a day, which is way too much for a four-year-old, especially. But it's February in New York. Like you can pry those screens from my cold, dead hands in February. But in the summertime, there's lots of other options. There's lots of things to do. So naturally, screen time should shrink in the summertime. Have you heard this thing about how the the, the pineal gland? Pineal no. gland? I'm frightened already. It's something no. behind. It's something behind your eyes that releases um, melatonin, and when it's when it's time for bed. And it knows that it's time for bed when it's dark outside. Um, and the problem with us is that we are a nation of interrupted poor sleep because we're tricking our pineal glands into not knowing that it's nighttime because we have these bright, bright lights on our phones and our laptops. So okay, the, I have the, heard of that concept. So the but first I've thing you're supposed to do is broken down to right. the pineal gland level. Yes. So the first thing you're supposed to do is not use anything that lights up for an hour before bed, which is sort of... Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Right. Even I'm on, on Twitter up until, up until I brush my teeth pretty much, right? But, but uh, it's, a, it's a goal for us is, to, is it shouldn't be something our children do until the very edge of bedtime, but they should be reading for half an hour at least before bed. But there are these apps you can turn on. The one for the um, laptop is called flux f dot lux and it's really good and it makes your it makes your screen slowly turn more yellow and then once in a while it'll flash you're getting up in nine hours you're getting up in eight hours and it's i totally recommend it and then there's the <laughs> that sounds terrifying oh no it's 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 gentle once you get used to it it's, it's kind of pretty I mean, that sounds like my nightmare. Like someone telling me you're getting up in nine hours. You're getting up in nine. I feel well, you like could I adjust have a nervous the settings breakdown right. before bed. But then there's something on the on the iPhone. If you just search your settings for something called night night shift, put this on on your kid's iPhone or iPad. It does take the white light out and put the yellow light in. It's if if you can't get the screen out of their hands, at least let it not be damaging their sleep and their brains by giving them white light when they're supposed to be going to sleep. Or it's blue light, I guess. Whatever we have is, a friend who works light. in government and he works in a secure facility. And before you can walk into his office, there's a box out front and you have to drop your iPhone in the box at the door. My husband and I keep joking that we need that box outside of our bedroom. Like it would be the greatest thing if we could walk into bed at night and put our iPhones in a box outside the door and then go into the bedroom and then maybe 
have a conversation with each other, like chat about the day. But we, he gave me someone, it was a greeting card for Valentine's Day once. And it said, there's no one I would rather lie in bed and read my phone with. And it's that (laughs) basically sums up our entire relationship. Like our you know, we, we, we constantly complain like, oh, we don't have enough time to chat. We don't have enough time to visit. Oh, you know, I barely know what's going on with you. It's so busy with the kids. And yet somehow at the end of the day, we both spend one hour lying next to each other in bed, looking at our phones together. I don't have my phone in my bedroom or, or nothing. I don't, I don't bring it in. My husband does, but my, but I don't, and my kids don't No phones in the bedrooms. Now sometimes my my oldest will sneak it in there, but I completely think a hundred percent yes to that rule. And again, I have little ones so I could hear everyone's head cracking and be like, yeah, easy for you to say seven year old mom. But that is one thing we treat it like food, like nothing goes upstairs and the screens don't go upstairs. Yeah. So bedtime is about going to bed, playing with your toys, playing with each other, reading stories and going to bed. It's, there's no screens involved in that entire interaction. And they don't have TVs upstairs. That's the most important thing is to separate out, to separate out the, uh, sleep time. And for modeling that, I mean, modeling it doesn't matter. I, I cannot picture banning my phone from my bedroom, although I understand that it would be a really good idea, but it's such a relaxing time of my day to get cuddled into bed, get my message boards going, get Twitter going, read about everything. I mean, I love that precious time, but yes, do I understand on some level? Like I understand that eating steamed chicken is better than, you know, eating mozzarella sticks. Yes. But I really don't want to. I, I, um, took all the apps off my phone for Lent. I am a, I'm a somewhat practicing Catholic. I'm a very cultural Catholic. Like I dig the, the stuff, the stuff. Right. Um, and anyway, so Lent, I love Lent. Um, and it's not about pleasing Jesus or anything. It's just about, I, I love the idea, the opportunity to, to examine something I love. There's nothing well. more Catholic than starting any sentence about anything you do with religion <laughs> than completely denying Jesus. You're like, this is not about Jesus, but I like going to church on Sundays cause it's a good ritual, uh, but I'm not know. really into that Jesus thing. Catholic I guess I mean, Obama. I don't really, I say this as a Catholic myself. So that's I don't I really think Jesus cares if I give up something for Lent or not. I don't, but, but I like it. And so anyway, this, this year for Lent, I took Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that off my phone. Oh, wow. You're better than me. And, and, and a game called threes that I, that's so awesome that I play on the subway and stuff. Don't but I took it, about it, took it all off and, uh, it made my phone much less of a shiny toy and I didn't put any of it back after, except for the threes. I did put threes back on, but not I have the, like not the rest of it. a visceral reaction to you talking about this. Like I don't want to hear it. I'm going to, I'm going to put that thing on your phone. So it says you're, you're getting up and saying, oh don't do it. Oh my, that is my nightmare. Cause that's, <laughs> uh, that voice is already in my head. You're getting up in 10 hours now, nine hours, now eight hours. You're not going to sleep. You have to put up with the kids all day, seven hours, six hours. Wait, so how did you survive Lent? I don't understand. I started reading books. I mean, I used to read two books. books. I used to read two books a week. Don't be ridiculous. Yes, I read books and um, I, I, you know, I would take care of emails or something on my phone, but I I didn't mindlessly go to Facebook. I think the, the fear of screen time when it comes to our kids is our kids becoming disengaged. And that is the problem that we have with ourselves with screen time. David and I, the other night, my husband, we put the kids to bed and 
we decide to watch a movie, which we almost never do. We watch series and stuff because we just almost always have like a half an hour, an hour in us. Um, so we're like, we're going to watch a movie. And we're watching Argo, which tells you something about how often we watch movies. This movie's right. from like four and a half years right. ago or whatever. Uh, so we're watching Argo, which is a fairly complex, you know, story about freeing these hostages from Iran. And it's entertaining, but it's not mindless. Are on our phones the entire time playing Candy Crush while we're watching Argo. So then we have to keep stopping the movie and going back because we've missed elemental plot points of the movie. We're like, wait, who's this guy and what role does he play in this movie? And I finally said to him, and, and we're not even engaging with each other while watching a movie. We're not even turning to each other like, hey, that was a good scene. Like We're just basically playing Candy Crush and Argo's on in the background. And it's just, those are the sort of pernicious ways that the phone kind of creeps in and cancerizes your life in this way that you're not seeing. And we both finally said like, okay, let's put our phones down and watch the movie about halfway through when we'd had to rewind four different times. And I just, and I see that even with my kids sometimes, we used to have like Friday afternoons were movie night and we'd put tents up or we'd get a pizza and we'd let them eat on the living room floor and it's a movie. And now they don't even want to watch a movie if they're not, if they're not watching their iPads while they watch a movie. And that's the thing. It just, it's very sneaky, this technology. I like what you said. It's the pernicious... It's the pernicious creep, you said. Yeah, and it gets in there. And that, I mean, now it's a fight to say, like, we'll have a movie on and then we'll put the iPads away while we're watching a movie so that you actually have to sit there and watch and figure out the plot of the movie, which used to be kind of free time. Now it's like that's kind of work because you're not allowed to watch your iPad and play, you know, Looney Tunes Dash while you're watching... This movie. It's this itchy phantom limb um, sort of, right, sort of feeling, sensation that you're supposed to be doing something else. No, my kids resist that too. And I, 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 oh gosh, you know, five times a week we'll walk, we'll walk in the room and say one or the other, which is it? Is the TV or one we can't can have both. Right. And they're, why? And so, so. But I don't want to do it either. I mean, that's the thing. Like I. Right. But I also don't want to eat chicken breast instead of mozzarella sticks dipped in ranch. And I know that like I have to and I have to model that for my kids and I have to teach my kids that anyway. And like they will have times of their life where they subsist on chicken fingers. But I have to fight against that thing, even though for myself, I'm like, "Uh," but I feel exactly the same way. I want to just play Candy Crush while I watch Argo. I don't want to pay attention figure out what happened. So here's why, here's why you have to do it. I mean, cause it's good for their brains and it's better for their sleep and all that. But there, okay, there's, a book, there's a book called deep work. I'm going to put this on the show notes too, cause it's a really good book. It's a, it's for adults. It's not about kids, but it's about the ability to concentrate and do deep work. Shallow work isn't necessarily unimportant work, but it's answering emails and deep work is solving a problem in society. Um, plotting out your entire next novel. That's deep work. It requires concentration. It requires solitude. It requires not being interrupted. And these days, this author's thesis is most of us don't allow ourselves to even enter into a a state of focus where that's even possible. People don't know how to do it without checking email every five minutes and having 10, 10 windows open, so to speak. And so he talks about how to achieve deep work and how important it is and, and argues that it's going to become more and more important because most people won't know how to do that, won't even understand that it's important 
and wouldn't be able to do it if they tried because they can't put their phone away or they can't turn off Facebook while they work. You're frightening me. And so, but the people who can will be able to write their own tickets because they are the ones, that's who's going to cure cancer, right? That, that's who invented Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg wasn't screwing around on Facebook when he invented it. He's, I mean, he needed, but he needed the space to have that. So we need to give ourselves and probably even more importantly, our kids, the ability to concentrate on one thing deeply because that's how, that's how J.K. Rowling thought of Harry Potter. She was looking out the window on, on a train ride, completely bored, and she says it just sort of dropped into her lap, this whole obviously not completely fully formed, but this whole idea, there's a boy that goes right. to wizard Lynn school. Lin-Manuel Miranda magic. talks about that with Hamilton too. He was on vacation. It was the first time he'd let himself really take a break. And he was sitting, relaxing on vacation, reading that book about Hamilton, and it came to him, like the, the, the oh. vision of it. And that's right. Without that, Those ideas are not coming to you while you're doing Candy Crush while watching a movie. Those, <laughs> you're blocking, it's like you're blocking out. Um, Louis C.K. has a great... I'll see if we can link to it on YouTube, a great thing about this, talking about keeping his kids off of screens because part of it too is feeling the emotion. He talks about like uh, saying something mean to someone on Twitter and the idea is like you could shoot something mean off over the internet and you don't have that feeling of like, I just wounded someone. You're not looking in someone's face and feeling like, oh, I just feel like a horrible person. And then he talks about that underneath all of our consciousness is this kind of yawning black hole of despair and doom and that we spend so much time just trying to build the rotten little floorboards over it and that (laughs) that's so much of social media. It's like, I'm not going to feel that feeling. I'm not going to feel anything. I'm just going to play my Candy Crush while I'm watching this movie, while I'm driving my car and giving your kids that experience too of like experience boredom, experience, you know, loneliness, experience these things that cannot ever at any age be kept at bay by playing Candy Crush. So, I mean, the, the, the fear of screen time, I think what we're arriving at is screen time is, it's more of a diet than a prohibition. We're, we're saying like, find a way to incorporate screen time into your kids' lives and into your own life. Model the right. correct behavior, the which correct for behavior. me is like all things, the hardest part of being a parent. I would just like them to be good people and me to be whoever I want to be. But that's sadly not the way it works, apparently. Teach our kids how to embrace loneliness and boredom, even if it's for 30 seconds or five minutes or whatever it is. Learn to learn to live with yourself and your own thoughts. And it's fine to have certain prohibitions. No screens before school. No screens in your bedroom. Like those kind of prohibitions help overall, that there are screen-free spaces of for us, no screens in the car. So there are times where you know you're going to be in a space where screens are not part of the equation. No screens at the dinner table. And uh, that's a great way to approach it because it's like, okay, well, whenever we're in these no screens outside, no screens when we go to the pool, whatever it is, like we're going to have times that are screen free, that are just, once you're in that space, you're not even thinking about a phone because you know that screens don't play a role in that space. Right. Avoiding, avoiding the fights with the kids is the, about not having them as, so you're right. If it's a, it's very, if it's a very standard, uh, clear line and not, it's, well, you get 20 more minutes, but only if you do 10 minutes of this, it's too, that's too wavy of a line. We need a nice bright line. And I, I definitely recommend doing the screen free week. Um, or Sabbath manifesto is sort of a screen free day. I think the screen free week was better because it's hard for a day and then it gets really easy for the next five days and your kids are making 
cardboard box forts in the living room and you you forgot the kids knew how to do things like that. Oh, screen for a week. All right. We're going to try it. Gonna I feel it. very reluctant. And I'm going gonna, gonna gonna to start it. texting you at night and saying, shouldn't you be? <laughs> shouldn't you be making a talking? cardboard fort with your husband instead <laughs> of laying on the phone? <laughs> When you'll know when we're making, when you come over and David and I have constructed cardboard forts all over the house that we successfully had a screen free week. I'm going to be your accountability partner. Oh, okay. In this endeavor. Uh, this sounds like, that sounds like it's going to go great. I, I can't we, see any some, possible downsides. We had some good, we had some good tips. When the podcast is canceled, the- you'll know it's because Amy <laughs> was my screen time. What do you call it? Watcher. All right. I think we've got screen time covered. Yeah. And we're going to put some great links to some more information and uh, just limit the screens, limit the spaces, model good behavior, and realize that screens are here to stay. They're going to be part of our lives and our kids' lives for, for now and for always. Right. But beware the pernicious creep. No pernicious Rage, rage creep. against the pernicious creep. All right. <laughs> so that's screen time, folks. Right. We'll see you next week. So we want to know what's going on with screens at your house. Are your kids addicted or are you one of those moms who's got it all figured out? Come join the conversation on Facebook at What Fresh Hell Podcast or on Twitter at HellFresh. Or visit our website, WhatFreshHellPodcast.com for links to other episodes and some of the things we've discussed on today's show. If you enjoy the show, please give us a rating on iTunes and reach out to us with questions or show topic suggestions by email at info at WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.